yeah, Saini sucks, and so I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they didn't score more runs. It's just yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he needed well. Saini was injured. Oh, he was injured, right? That was like a huge yeah. factor, huge turning point in the game. Yeah, but to be fair, the ball before he got injured, he got Labuschagne out. It just yeah. dropped it. No, he did yeah. bowl some good balls, but I don't know. Whenever yeah. he came on to bowl, I just, I kind of just felt really unsafe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Eleventh Silly Points podcast. I'm here with Rishi, Akash, Mayank, and Mohawk. Um, we're here to talk about the Brisbane Test match, India Australia and the series as a whole, and then we'll move on to the England-Sri Lanka series and go from there. Um, hope you guys enjoy. Um, so, yeah, taking a look at the first test ma- or the fourth test match in Brisbane, that was an amazing match. I mean, that, that is an understatement, right? But, um, yeah, India really played well. Punt, punt showed up. Um, Siraj showed up. It's a, really a team effort. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on it? Mayank, would you like to start off? Oh, no. Look, I'm not going to lie, as an Australian fan, that was just painful, painful to watch. Um, you know, Tim Payne's comments to Ashwin about getting them at the Gabba. Like, I know it's getting memed hard right now, but the, the truth is, like, Australia hasn't lost there in, in ages. So to think that India's, like, second-change team could could not only, like, take the game to Australia, but, but actually win on the last day in, in the fashion that they did was... Yeah, it was devastating, and, and I think it's, it's a bit of a wake-up call that, that Australian cricket needs that maybe we need to start. Thinking. Yeah, there's just, there's just a lot to unpack, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it later on today, but yeah, it's heartbreaking as an Australian fan to see that. Yeah, I, I can't remember when um, this incredible, like half the team polio after the second test, and you know each test, each session, another man would go down. Um, and this point we we knew australia's pace attack was super strong we knew they had smith and labuchane but but i don't know man i don't know how they pulled this off this was incredible yeah and i still can't comp- i still can't comprehend this victory it's like definitely at least in at least from all the indian cricket i've watched definitely the greatest victory in indian cricket this series i would put this over the 2011 world cup and the 2013 champions trophy to win after the most embarrass after the most embarrassing part of your history, thirty six all out, and to come back, lose your captain, lose lose a new fast bowler every game, then end up losing both your spinners as well, and still beat this Australian team at their fortress after losing three tosses as well. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy. I was I did not I couldn't believe what was going on. I I was waiting for India to collapse in the final day, but it just was not happening. There were so many heroes from. The debutants in Sundar, Thakur, Natarajan to Pant, and then Pant, Gil's innings on the final day was absolutely insane. Pujara was a stone wall in the last two test matches. It was a real difference for for the for the Indian batting. And then Rahane's captain was brilliant as well. Rohit Sharma was get, gave great starts in the last four innings he played. So yeah, there were so many heroes in the Indian team. Yeah, I, I genuinely think that the the fact that we had an almost fresh team in, in the sense of the bowling attack really made a difference. Because if you look at Australia, those guys were bowling all four tests and throughout every match. And it just it, it 
clearly took a toll on them, especially coming to the Galba. And it wasn't a typical Galba pitch, right, from what we saw. It was more of that T20 pitch on day one, and then it progressed from there. It's, it was very different to what we've seen. But, yeah, I think the, the freshness of the bowlers really made a difference in this series, or this test match. Yeah, so it really is interesting to see where Australia went wrong because at the SCG and at the GABA, India needed, like, over 300 runs to win. And you would typically back the bowling team, like, almost nine times out of 10 to finish up the game on a day five pitch. So it is really interesting to see how India's bolt, like pretty fresh bowling attack kept them in the game. And then their batting was able to overcome like a pretty wary pace attack. And um, it's interesting to see like where strategically Australia probably made a couple of mistakes because um, it's quite a miracle that India managed to hold on for that draw and then actually go on to chase the target too. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I was just I was just very confused at how you know these guys are some of the best fast bowlers in the world. Like Cummins showed that he was like the best bowler in the world by not by far, but you know you could see his quality. Um, but you know these random guys they pick up from the street. Literally, Shardul Talker is a bowler, um, and he batted like a gun. Um, Washington Sundar, you know, and throughout the whole series they were just able to play these bowlers like pretty well um after obviously the 36 all out debacle and so that was just very confusing for me um i don't know what do you guys think why do you think this happened um it, it just doesn't make sense um, well i think i think firstly like some of the day five pitches i don't think it's valid to say that at the scg or even the gabba that pitch degraded in the way we've seen in the past yeah I think the scg wicket yeah. and the gabba wicket probably played pretty solidly on day five like Yes, there were some cracks at the GABA, and, and yes, there was some up-and-down bounce at the SEG, but I'd argue that the SEG had, like, up-and-down bounce more on day three than on, on day five or when Siraj was bowling. Um, so I think that's that's one important point in, in the way that we've seen Australian teams clean up overseas tours in the past on that day four, day five wicket is, is it, was a, it wasn't really degrading. And I think that does make a difference. Nathan Lyon stays less effective and obviously against an Indian team that is always going to play spin well. Um, if you don't have that like pitch degradation, it, it makes it more difficult. But I do agree. I, I was I was a little confused with maybe um, some of the captaincy decisions uh, as to like how we didn't get or bold, enough short balls to, to the likes of like Sundar and, and um, Takur, you know, when they were making that stand. So, yeah, it's just sort of credit where credit is due, to be honest. Um, the, those two batted without fear and played really well as well. I think there was, from the Australian perspective, there was a little too much pressure on Cummins and Hazelwood. Both of them bowled absolutely brilliantly this whole series, but Stark was very, very ineffective in the last two test matches. He was wayward. He came back on in, on the final day and went for 20 and one over, which I think really swung the momentum, really got India thinking, we could actually win this match. They're trying to draw it, and then Lyon was, Lyon was pretty ineffective though. You 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 could say he was very unlucky at Sydney. He had two two three chances missed off off Rishabh Pant. He had a stumping missed off on the Gabba, two off Pant. But the fact that it was just really two bowlers meant that made it a lot made it a lot easier for India to survive through the day. Obviously, Cameron Green's a very promising player, but he wasn't giving much threat with the ball this entire series. Yeah, I mean, I think Stark was interesting because he was bowling quick, right? He was bowling late 140. So he wasn't like, he might have been a little tired, but 
you know, his face was up there, his tail was up. Um, yeah. That's just not what we expect from Stark. Um, and, yeah, Lion was basically nullified towards the end of the, or for most of the, most of the GABA test. And I guess that was kind of, kind of expected. Um, you know, that's Indian batsmen are good against spin and Lion just hasn't showed that much variation uh, to really fox any of the Indian batsmen. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, the GABA is where the Aussie team just always feels so safe. You know, they, they walk in with a little more bravado than usual. than like the, um, And, you know, they were against a batter, battered and bruised Indian team and, and this still happened. And so it, it, none of this makes sense. It's going to take some time uh, to process all of this. I think we have to look at the, I mean, we're talking a lot about the Australian boys. You have to look at the batsmen. They go, they won the toss at the Gabba. There wasn't, it wasn't, it, was, it seemed to be a pretty placid wicket, not too much in it. And I think they should have got 450 plus. And just batted India out on the first 100%. day. New bowling attack, new look bowling attack, two, de- two debutants of, the India's bowling leader was literally playing his third test match. So, and so and the fact that only, I think only Lobby Shane obviously got a, got a nice set, got a good century in the start, but they really have to look at the rest of the batsmen. It's, the openers did not stand up in this match. Um, the middle order. Honestly, lo- looking, looking back at it. And like, like you're saying, the batting lineup is where things messed up, but it, it looked like it honestly was fixed because if you look at the shots that Wade played to get out, um, as usual, he's playing those flamboyant shots where he just strikes at the ball. It's, either it's a pull shot and it goes straight up to mid on and it's caught. And then same with Laubu at like 108, he got out. The, um, and I don't know, the dismissals weren't exactly amazing, especially for Nadarajan. He was bowling all right. It wasn't like he was going to take it. He wasn't looking lethal in any way, but he still managed to take three wickets in the first innings. Um, so yeah, like you're saying, I agree with that, that they should have easily scored 450 against such a... Um, mediocre bowling attack yeah but, i feel like for, yeah saini sucks and so i don't know how they, <laughs> yeah. i don't know how they didn't score more runs it's just yeah maybe that's why maybe that's why he needed well saini was injured, oh, was injured was, right that was like a huge yeah. factor huge turning point in the game yeah but to be fair the ball before he got injured he got lavishing out it just yeah. dropped no nah, he did yeah. bowl some good balls but i don't know whenever yeah. he came on to bowl i just I kind of just felt really unsafe, you know. I was just the like, pressure. The pre- there was always like one short. The deep ball. point would go out in the second ball, and and yeah, yeah that was and you know, things crazy. Go your way and I, and India's main strategy this whole series was just squeeze the Australian batsmen. Like if you remember the first two Test matches, they never they would take a hundred overs to get to two hundred. So Rahani was definitely desperate not to have Saini on a, a lot bowling bowling a lot of skills where he could see the boundary over over. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about? Obviously, the Indian team, now they're going to be spoiled for choices as they come to the England tour. They're going to have a lot of players to select from, especially with all most of the fast players coming back to fitness. What do we see the future of the Australian team? They have a big South Africa tour coming up. The World Test Championship has taken a big hitting now, making that final. But when you lose a series like this, changes are going to happen. So what do you guys see coming in and coming out? I definitely see uh, Stark probably at least being rotated throughout a series, I think. I think what they, how they managed him in the Ashes and how they rotated him in and out with James Pattinson seemed pretty justified. And I think Australian fast bowling stocks are never really that thin. And, and we have some good fast bowlers. So I think like having a look at Shield performances and, and just uh, other fast bowlers who've played at, at an international level probably makes sense to maybe rotate Stark in and out, sort of a horses for courses policy. Uh, 
Will Pukowski is an interesting case where he's played one one test. Australia desperately needs openers who stay in. And, you know, David Warner, you get what you get with him. You know, he's going to occasionally, like, score score very few runs, but he can he's sort of that batsman who can easily take the game away on the first day in the first session. And I think just that X-factor quality about him uh, means he stays in. I think Matthew Wade almost certainly gets cut. Australia has some deep middle-order woes. Um, and, you know, I think we need another solid number five batsman in um, if Smith and Labuschagne do fail. Um, Cam Green's an interesting one and definitely one I wanted to discuss with you guys more. Is like, like, yes, I think he bowls 140 and, you know, he, he did put in some good scores, but did he, did he really do enough to justify his, like, all-rounder position and, and, and keep him in? I think that's definitely like not someone I would shoe in immediately and, and try and keep hammering away at. Right. Like we were talking about in Cameron Green in the previous podcast, how he was given an old ball and that's why he wasn't picking up any wickets. He was still bowling pace. And that was, that was our excuse for him at that time. Payne put him in pretty early this time around. Um, and he still wasn't that effective. He was, he was still bowling that same length, whereas just going above the, the batsman's head. And he's a tall guy anyways. So it wasn't really effective in watching it. So, again, we haven't seen him bowl as good as he possibly can or has, that he's shown him with um, Sheffield, Sheffield Shield. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's still room for growth in, the, in terms of bowling. Batting, he's pretty solid. Um, he got that 47 in the first, the first innings. I, I think he's justified in that sense, but he still needs to contribute on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think I mean, so... I think I think so. So with Green, I think you know, obviously came in under difficult circumstances. I'd say you know, bowling to some of these batsmen is not easy. You know, if Stark's not going to do it, Green's not. Green's definitely not going to do it. You know, um, as a debutant, um, playing his first series and first few matches, it's just tough, right? And so you can't leave him out because he's like a decade-long prospect, right? He's just going to be there for a while now. He's going to be standing at gully, saving everything around him. Absolute wall there. Um, and I think the good thing was his batting improved every game, right? He sort of, like, adjusted his technique slightly. He had a big-ass front inning. And, you know, when we first saw him, it, it was pretty clear that he'd be able to attack that. But he sort of mitigated that very well. Um, and then when he looked attacking... Uh, when he when he looked to score runs, he was very good. Like you could really see the quality there. So Green's going to be there for a while. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere, and I think he'll be of extreme value. Hopefully, he can break out of this these like twelve over spells or or these twelve over innings where he sort of comes in towards the end of um, when the new ball is due to to give rest to the to the main fast bowlers. But you know, we'll we'll see. Yeah, it's obvious Cam Green's like a long-term investment. Like, they're going to give him a lot of opportunities. Uh, I think the only thing disappointing, I think, from him in the series, he probably would want it to convert more of those starts. He got a lot. Of, he got to start almost every every innings he played, and only once he really converted into a big 80. So, I think that'd be the only thing disappointing, but he's definitely a long-term prospect. He definitely yeah. looks like a solid batsman. Yeah, he also sometimes seems a little too tall to score runs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Sometimes it looked like all he could do is just come on the front foot. That's more protecting. Like, like it seems like it takes a lot in him to come down, come forward. Yeah, <laughs> I think he'll also be super valuable on uh, subcontinental tours. Like just having that, you know, if Australia play 
maybe two spinners, just having that um, all-rounder who can keep the pressure up by bowling 140K. Like, I think that's also pretty valuable to give your pacers and your frontline bowlers a rest. So, like, in Australia, I think, you know, three quicks and a spinner is probably on most days enough. Um, but I think I'll, we'll see him having a bigger role in some of the subcontinental tours as well. Good point. Yeah. So, what do we also – yeah, what about Tim Payne? Yeah, um, interesting question for sure. I feel like they can't do anything until after the World Test Championship, right? If Australia do make the finals, like they can't do anything up until after that's all resolved. They don't really have a resounding replacement. That's the issue. Like no one's really in the team to carry. Uh, as a captain, he comes in as a captain. Oh, not no. as captain. I, I say give it back to Smith and have Kerry keep. Yeah. Well, I I'm, just, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think of Tim Tim Payne's captaincy in general, not just this series? Like, well, how uh, would you evaluate him? He de- I mean, obviously, so the thing with Tim Payne, obviously, that I was going to bring up is everyone always wants to talk about him as being the best captain first year and the best wicketkeeper. And usually people criticize his batting a lot. But in this series, it seemed to be inverted. He batted very, very well this series. He averaged over 40, a couple of very crucial knocks. and then, But his keeping and captaincy are really poor. And he seems to... We saw in Headingley too, uh, when Stokes played that blind reference. He seems to really falter under pressure, both exactly. of his DR, DRS use and some of his uh, some of his strategies. Like he constantly had the feelers back for Rishabh Pant, never really tried tempting him into the drive. I didn't understand why there was no. I mean, I know Shane Warren went on a rant about this, but I never understood why. Warney was going off, man. Yeah, Warney was, <laughs> was, was having a field day. <laughs> but like he was, it there. Is absolutely no reason why there shouldn't be a silly point for Pajara. Pajara is not going to come down the wicket and hit you anyways. Yeah. Well, Pajara would have been out ages ago. That that ball was like crashing into top of the leg. But we can talk about that another. But that was not a. That was a shot. That wasn't a shot. That was. That was a shot. We got beaten. He's trying to defend that. <laughs> that was plum lbw. <laughs> that should have been. That should have been out on the. It was hitting the stumps, but it was definitely a shot. Yo, what do you guys think? Two meters behind him. That's I think my faith, my faith in DRS has has gone down significantly this series. Yeah, yeah. umpire's call just seems to be annoying me a lot. But did you hear it's about that, like time when they were um, like Smith's stumps in real life compared to the DRS stumps were like almost a, like half a stump uh, to the left or right? I can't remember what it was. But uh, it it's, it's, yeah, when he got bowled by Boomer behind his legs, when they had to hitting the pad first, it would have been umpire's call. I don't think the bales are factored in in umpire's call, right? It's the top of the stump. I don't think they're factored in DRS at all or something. Yeah. yeah. And also the whole thing with DRS is like the ball you see is like a probability distribution, right? Yeah. So it's super confusing for all the viewers. Like, you know, watching with my parents, they're like, oh, it's hitting the stumps. Why isn't it out? Like, I think, I don't know, just from like a the whole thing is Hawkeye perspective. I think yeah, I think it needs to just be recalibrated. Um, I don't I don't know. We can we can go into the technology later, but <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what do you something have? just clearly a little off? And I know they keep umpires call for the margin of error, but it's just it doesn't seem right at all. Um, and it's just it's it's really annoying. It wastes a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and yeah. About, what about Tim? What do you guys think about Tim? Is there a replacement? Should he keep his role? I mean, Smith is like what 30, 33 right now. 34. So yeah. I still see him as, 
you know, he's their best batsman. He and he's gonna be in the side for like you know until he retires, right? Um, there's Cummins, but as a bowler, I don't know if you want to like burden him with that. So, I think they're gonna go with Payne up until the Test Championship and then reevaluate. Like Payne is 37, right? Yeah. Um, he'll probably want to. I don't see him making it to the next Ashes. Do you yeah. see Lamia getting a captaincy? The Ashes this year, though. Oh, really? Before the yeah. Test champ? No, no, it's 20... the Test championships in the summer, but the Australian summer, which is December, that's when the in a year is the Ashes. right, right. Yeah, so... I think I don't know. It depends if Australia don't make it to the Test championship, then I don't know. It might be interesting to see what happens. Like if they lose against South Africa, then you've got like, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, I don't know. I think I don't think they're gonna make the change right away. Because as Mayank said, there's just who are you gonna play? Like Smith, obviously he would be like a he would be a no brainer. But also given the history of Smith, I don't know if they'll ever think of making him captain again. Um, I think you know a lot of other things need to change as well, right? Like Matthew Wade is gone after the series. Easily, uh, there's no way he's playing. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, head didn't look that great either. So then, who do you put? I I um, think head to. I, mean, I think Head still deserves another chance, you know. Yeah, he's young, so he has like more years on him than Wade. He's young, and his average is still good, like a high high thirties average. Two bad tests after twelve months of without Test cricket is not shouldn't just be dumped immediately. So I, yeah, I honestly I put Head back in the back at at number five, but I'd also have a couple backup players, backup middle order batsmen in the squad. I I still think Glenn Maxwell deserves another chance in Test cricket. Um, he obviously he's he's been in good international form. No, uh, in, I don't think he's going to make the, the test cricket, unfortunately. He does. He, well, that's what we said, but he's done well in the limited opportunities he got. Last I time think, he played test cricket, he got 100 in India, in India. Yeah. I think they need a more compact batsman at number five, though. I think they need someone who's not going to get out or, like, give their wicket away easily. The problem with, like, Matthew Wade, Travis Head, and, like, Glenn Maxwell-type players, uh, like, I think I need someone like Pujara. It's because, like, someone who's solid who will, like, happily take their time, but also, like... Maybe, maybe have that like nice blend of like can bat like Pujaro when needed, but also is like positive to score. You know, the name that comes to mind is like Mike Hussey, you know, just like solid rotating the strike, but never really like giving his wicket away. And I don't right. really, well, I don't think Usman Khawaja ever should have been dropped in the Australian team. I, and I would love, I would love to get him back in the Australian team. The only thing is, I don't know if number five would be a great spot for him because he's not the best player of spin. Yeah, what about Curtis Patterson? He like he did well against Sri Lanka, I think. Um, yeah, he was actually sitting in the bench in a BBL game, and so pretty uh, massive waste there. Um, I don't know. The problem is, it's not like we don't have. It's just we don't have batsmen at the moment. Like no one in the shield is like knocking the door down, other than like Will Bukowski and and Cameron Green. No one else is really plundering runs at the shield level and i don't know if that's like the quality of the fast bowling or just the lack of quality of the batting but something really needs to be looked at at a domestic level it's like why there are uh, like few batsmen yeah well there's always been talk about australian yeah australian batting standards have not been great in the last five six years at shield cricket you don't see those you don't see those players averaging 60 70 like they do and if they do they are there's will pekoski's and some labuchet and smiths of the world like, can yeah. I be, like, 
other than Steve Smith, like if Australia didn't have Steve Smith, Australia would be losing almost every single test series. And like Steve Smith has unironically been like carrying Australia through the last like five, six years. Like it's been a fairly, or like at least the last three to four years, it's been a fairly common trend to see like Australian batting somewhat collapse and Steve Smith is there and he's like there to pick up the pieces. And then like when he is unable to do that, we go on and lose a test. And when he is able to do that, we, we somehow like squeak out a, a win. Like Australia's batting has been pretty dire for the last three to four years from memory. And it's been like glimpses of some people giving us hope and they'll like squeeze out a draw on like the last day. And then like everyone will be really excited. But I think the truth is like, it's been a while since Australia's batting has had like other than Smith and now Labuschagne, like these consistent players are able to like really make like lots of runs for Australia. So would you say, are you a bit worried about, is there worries about David Warner and his future for the Australian team? Obviously, he was injured for most of the series. Yeah. But he didn't look too close to his best this series. I would say David Warner got rushed back in and probably shouldn't have played this series. Like, I yeah. think that was a desperate attempt by the Australian coaching staff to try and stem what was like an appalling Melbourne test um, yeah. from a batting standpoint. And they were like, we, we desperately need Davey. And I don't think he had been doing much batting while he was injured. And it was just unfortunate. But I think... David Warner full form, like full proper preparation. You know, he he played well in the ODIs. He's just he's just solid, you know. And I think, yeah. I think when he's yeah when he's fully fit, he's that he's that solid. Like he'll get you that 40, 50, 60 runs relatively consistently, and then like you know here and there go on to make like, big hundreds. So I think Australia needs him. Yeah. I don't, and I'd I'd be extremely scared if he uh, if he was dropped, like I don't, other than Wilkowski, there's no one knocking on the door for an opening spot in, in yeah. at the moment. I would say Marcus Harris scored a lot of runs in uh, Sheffield Shield as well, but he yeah, did he not. Looked, he looked good in the second innings when he was playing free flowing. I think he's yeah. definitely the third option, but again, you gotta gotta convert starts. Yeah, and and we've not done that ever. Like none of the Australian batsmen really. Yeah, I'm I think not sure how long Warner. Yeah, continue. How long is Warner going to be around for? Like, he's, what, 35, 34? And, like, I think they're going to have to start preparing for a transition soon. I don't yeah. think there's any rush. There's no rush. They he can make the next World Cup. And that's fair. That's fair. Probably, so he could probably play till then. He's a he's an extremely fit cricketer. I would, yeah, he's very fit. He only, ba- he only bats. So it's not like he has to worry about anything else. I don't think, I don't think there's any fitness issues with Warner. Yeah. On another note, there he did make some comments in the beginning of COVID saying like a lot of cricketers may want to reconsider when they retire because of the tolls of like bubble life, which was kind of interesting to hear. Like he maybe, I don't know, I thought he might have been hinting at something. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he, he does play all formats and he has a, he has a, he's a, he's a big family man. I think that had a lot yeah. to do with those comments. Yeah. Well, I think, I think cricket is just tough on the psyche, um, you know, disregarding the bubble. It's just tough, right? You know, there's just yeah. a lot of waiting at every instance, right? Waiting for the bowler to run in and bowl, you know, especially. Um, mentally exhausting, yeah. Yeah, it's so mentally exhausting. And, you know, there's always that fear of getting out um, and letting everyone down. And, you know, it's it's tough. And then with the bubble, you can't be with your family. Uh, it must be super draining. And so that definitely played a toll on both teams. Um, maybe that factored into why the fielding was pretty poor, I'd say, especially the catching. Yeah. The fielding um, was appalling. Catching was appalling. Yeah, series. it was shockingly bad. 
And for two for India Australia, that's not expected at all. You sure about how they they zoomed in Harsha Bogle every thirteen minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So India India came in with a fairly um, new bowling attack with two debutants and then Thakur, who was just uh, in his second Test match. Um, yeah. So what do you guys think about Nato, um Washington, and then Siraj bowled really well. Um, taking those five wickets in the second inning, at least. Um, but yeah, what do you what do you guys think? Well, I mean, I they yeah they all bowled extremely well. All of the all the new pace bowlers, maybe not Saini and Natarajan as much, but uh, Docker and Siraj are really impressive. Docker and Snow are obviously impressive on an all round display. But to be honest, when it comes to looking at the India's first team, I think the only player that actually has a chance of breaking through would be Mohammad Siraj, who's because he he really stepped up as the bowling spearhead this series and that Pfeiffer you couldn't you couldn't help but feel really happy for him with all he's gone through in the past Mm -hmm. two months losing his father and deciding to stay on tour instead of and staying in the bubble life to leading his team to a victory you had to feel really happy for Mohamed Siraj and I think he'll be the only bowler to really threaten any of the for the first choice bowling spot obviously Bumrah, Ishan, Tiyadav, Shami they they get their spot will not be threatened at all but Siraj has proven that he can compete with them as well and Sundar was absolutely brilliant, both with ball and bat. He really showed he's a promising all-rounder. And, yeah, he definitely deserves to keep his spot in the squad for the England Tour. But Ashwin and Jadeja were brilliant this entire series. And they're obviously going to keep playing for India for a long time. Yeah, I mean, in India is just, like, it's it's kind of getting unfair. I mean, you have, like, 1.5 billion people. And, you know, this is your, this is your number one sport. And so it kind of makes you wonder if we need – if we need China to step in, <laughs> we will donate. It sort of brings some balance to world cricket. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, so I I want to take a closer look at Sunder's bowling because uh, he was bowling that T twenty line initially, and he started to work the ball, <laughs> his line outside off more. Um, obviously, seeing what like uh, his pitch map after like day one or whatever the first innings, he was able to analyze it better. But uh, do you think he should be sticking to that middle stump line and having basically no spin and just rely on change of pace and um, change of line? Because um, he, he picked up the wicket of Smith and, yeah, he picked up three wickets, right? But I, I feel like he could be a lot more effective, especially coming to India where the pitches are going to turn a lot more. He needs to utilize that. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? I think it kind of worked for him. Um, like, India always persisted with the kind of like stump line of attack to Smith. And he, like, even with Ashwin, right? And he just kind of followed that up. Um, I think he did actually end up getting the wicket of uh, Cameron Green with a ball that kind of deviated off the pitch. So I think he bowled well to the conditions. Like, India knew that they had a pretty inexperienced bowling attack. They needed to kind of choke the runs at one end. And bowling that leg stump line of attack worked out. So I don't think it was, like, I think if he'd been bowling in more favorable conditions with a with a better attack to back him up, he would have then switched to a you know a more attacking line. But it's been the plan for India all series, right? Choke the offside, and he bowled well to that. Yeah, he bowled well to the plan. I don't see him having a. I don't see the promise of him as a spinner for India because obviously he hasn't played a first class game in four in three four years, and obviously he really doesn't spin the ball. Um, much so, even though he's a very promising white ball bowler, 
I was honestly shocked to see how well he bowled this match. The fact that he got Smith and Warner out was would have been uh, that's not something I definitely would have expected from him. But yeah, he definitely played well. I think maybe um, like can you guys see him fitting into the squad for Indian home tests as like a third spinner and like maybe top six batsman? Maybe definitely not top six. There's too many too many batsmen already trying to get into the that's top true. six. So. But he could definitely he could definitely be an able backup for if Ashwin or Jadeja is injured. Obviously, Jadeja is gonna is not going to play the start of the India England series, so he might get a spot there. Depends if India want to go with two or three spinners. And also, I don't think I don't think India will feel comfortable um, having Punt be the keeper because um, although he batted like a legend, his keeping was pretty poor. Uh, it was pretty good. So Punt so will probably play, yeah. Yeah, Saha definitely comes in for keeping, but I'd I'd like to see Pond as specialist batsman, yeah. even for the India England series. But I don't think is there even a, is there even a way for Pond and Saha to play in the same eleven? Because now Kohli is back, so Rahani will be back at five. Well, Vihari would be. Vihari's got to go. Vihari. Vihari. Vihari doesn't matter. Vihari's injured anyways. But yeah, Vihari didn't play home test matches either. Vihari was never going to play at a home anyways. Okay. But but the thing the thing is, uh, Jadeja usually plays at six. And he's usually very, very successful at it in India. So obviously they could fit they could fit Pont and Saha maybe in now because JJ is not gonna play at the start, but do you really need Pont six, Saha seven, and then four bowlers only? I don't know. It would be nice to see him because of the way he batted and he basically won us the uh, the whatever Gabba test. But see, I th- I um, I think India's gonna be like Pont, you're just gonna have to learn on the job. Um you're too good of a batsman for us to drop you, but your keeping needs to improve. So they're just gonna make him keep in India as well. That's what I think is gonna happen. Oh, that's interesting. I just don't. I just oh. don't see the the use of Saha outside of his keeping in the, in in the in batting order. Yeah. Um, like, what do you think it it would take to beat India at home? You know, uh, we saw Australia win a test because a uh, Kohli left a a Jaru Pfeiffer. Then Panasar and Swan came in. Um, um, like Kanye and Jay Z on Watch the Throne. <laughs> Adding lineup, but... it would take first off to beat India. India, you first off you need India to be out of form, and you need to have an ultimate, ultimate overseas team. You need like a team with like obviously you need world class spinners like Swan, Pinesar, O'Keefe, Lyon. A few years ago, um, you need batsmen to score big, big hundreds the way Smith did last series, the way Peterson and Cook did, and then you all, you need fast bowlers too. Like the importance of fast bowling in India is very underrated. Uh, when Australia came to India last time, I thought they played really, really well. And Stark, Cummins, and Hazel, they all got top-order wickets consistently throughout. Even though they didn't win the series, but it easily could have gone their way. And then Jimmy Anderson was pretty good also in the 2012 tour. So the importance of fast bowlers is definitely needed for the new ball wickets and reverse swing. Well, I think uh, Archer will be effective um, if he can reverse the ball a little bit. Um, but I just – yeah, I don't think they have the spin. Like, I don't think Bess is good um, – he had one of the most underwhelming five wicket hauls I've ever seen. Yeah. And Leech is Leech isn't bowling well. Yeah, Leech, I mean there's just not much to them, you know. They kind of just put the ball there. They get some decent revs, but I feel like Swan was special, you know. Swan was very special. And yeah, so Swan was like that. Yeah, when Swan and Pinesar came, they were definitely probably the two best spinners uh, during that time. So, and yeah, I don't see my, I can't see Dom best. I can see. 
I could see India treating Dom best the same way they treated Dane Peter two years ago. They made him Mayank and Rohit dumped him all over, and now he's trying to play cricket in the U.S. So, do you think Moin Ali has a shot? Because the, he's always in the conversation, considering how trash the England spinners are. But I feel like Moin Ali could get his shot, like at least have one Test match, and he's he's not. I think I think Mo, he did I pretty think good he, against India. He did good against in India. Twenty fourteen. Yeah, he's always done well in India in England with the ball, and he did well last time in India with the bat. And I think the way um the current England openers are going in this Chess Sri Lanka match, I think Moina will come into the top six and be a third spinner. I think that's how they're going to use him. Yeah, that'd be cool to see. Because I, I can't see England sticking with Dom Sibley against the way Dom Sibley's playing Lusit, whatever his last name is. He would be <laughs> Jadeja and Ashwin yeah. would clean him up every every innings. Yeah, I feel like the only way England can win is if India like prepare a rank turner of a pitch, in which like India's spin advantage is like just nullified because it turns so much. Like then yeah. I can see Leach maybe bowling like a solid line, and you know if Indian batsmen make mistakes, then yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, think the ball will reverse. I think that's somewhere where we have to credit the Aussies, and I'm sure you know the BCCI has something to do with it, but they always prepare these like competitive wickets where they're not way too favorable to the Aussie team. Um, they didn't they didn't prepare any ridiculously quick pitches. Even Brisbane wasn't that fast this time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I obviously... Don't know wrong, I don't know what's wrong with the team. At least one pitch should be, like, clearly favoring the home team. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. and I think, I think if they played in Perth, you would have gotten that, but... Yeah, like, come on. The the crowd the crowd does definitely wasn't favoring Australia. Either. They never favor Australia, Australia in, in Australia. Crowd. Like in the Indian Indian support yeah. is just ridiculous. Yeah. No, but there's some, uh, there some racism sprinkled around the grounds as well. Yeah, oh. that's definitely probably Australia fans. Though, if it was in India, it would be Indian fans. But yeah, I think. Um, so again, I think India will, won't prepare big, big turners. They'll probably prepare, like, if you remember last time, like, England would, and India would both score big. Like, Eng- England would score, like, 400, 500, and then India would just bomb at 600, 700, turn <laughs> triple 100. And then, then they'll just have the – it'll just really spin on the last two days, and then Ashwin and Jadeja will do what they normally do. That's what I think the pitches they'll go with. Because, honestly, when they created a ranked turner, they had a bowler like Steve O'Keefe bowl India out 12 wickets. And he's not – it's not like he's not even in the test team anymore. So, I think what does, a, what does Australia have um, in their in their spin bench uh, to accompany Lyon? Swepson, uh, Swepson and Agar, I think, will be the two they're taking off. And Zampa? I, I don't think Zampa is anything good at first class. Not for test. It's a, um, it's a tough situation. Australia's spin, spin ranks, I would say, are. Uh, pretty depleted and unconvincing past Lyon as well. That's the other issue. Like, everyone was pretty quick to criticize Lyon and his defensive bowling in, in some of the last two tests. But I don't really know who replaces Lyon at the, at the domestic level. Again, there's no one knocking on the door at a shield level um, in terms of amazing statistics and someone just, like, asking to get a bowl. It would it'd really be Australia being like, oh, we need, oh, we really want to play two spinners. Let's give this guy a debut or something. Yeah, so I think Australia have a lot of good like leg spinners. They have a good like a lot of young leg spinners who are good in the T Twenty white ball. Like obviously Zampa did really really well. Swepson looked decent at times. Pope looks decent. Pope. Pope looks decent, but these all these guys they look like white ball bowlers. 
Yeah. It's been bowling that well in test matches, especially on Indian pitches. They don't have the control for that. And that's the issue with like all of these T20 comps and like increased one day formats is like, I think spin is extremely different at a test level and it requires that like consistency and, and you know, like, yeah, variations in spin are important, but the main thing in spin is like putting the ball on a good spot over like 40 overs in some innings, you know? And I think like hardcore cricket is yeah, not so, conducive so, to that in any way. And it's hurting Australian spin yeah. ranks for sure. Washington was a primarily T20 bowler, right? But he, he came in and he was able to show that he can bowl like for in a test match. So I don't know how different it is. We always think that it's very different. And then obviously for a leg, yeah, it's that's probably what I was just about to say. Like, yeah. I think an offie has more natural control than like the way leg spin is bowled at a, a T20 versus a test level. And Washington is just one test match. Like he could easily be exposed over time. Right? If well, he yeah, also, yeah, of course. I agree. And you also have to, yeah, I guess the difference is you have to be able to beat the batsman if they're not looking to score. And that's the main thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, yeah, I fully agree as well with that point that like, yes, Australia lost to a no-name team, but I think there's an element of like lack of preparation or getting caught off guard, which I know is not an excuse for like an amazing team like Australia, but I think when it comes to like how meticulous a lot of these teams are and their planning, the fact that like Australia had no idea who some of these people were probably explained why like Sundar and, and Tucker got like so many runs. Um, and then also like bold well. Because um, it was just a level of like, we don't know what we're, we're going to potentially get from them. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that's definitely a case with a lot of. Yeah. I mean, much. I know the Indians bowled well, but I don't think they bowled that well. Like, if you think about it, I think. In the beginning, or at some point on the second day, Australia were like 300 for five. And they were really pushing to get like a pretty big total. And that's when like they played some rash shots and they got bowled out for like 369. Again, um, that was probably due to the fact that they predicted a lot of rain and they knew they had to win the Brisbane test. So their first innings, like it makes sense. They batted well. They tried to score like 450 and they couldn't get there. And then second innings, again, they scored like on a pretty up and down pitch. They scored... 320-ish in quick time. So um, I think the Indian bowling was good, but I don't think it was as good as the overall results. Yeah, the the, it, the batting was definitely the most impressive part for India this this yeah. just on the last test match. Especially since the Sydney Day 5, it's just been the batting, really. It's been really solid. And I think a lot has to do also with like the opening partnership for India. They've, they're not losing an opener in the first five overs like they were before. That helps a lot in setting up a big total. And Pujara's form turned around after the first two test matches. I have some uh, probably unpopular opinions on uh, India's opening pair. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it worked. You know, Gil is obviously class. So is Rohit Sharma. But I think the I think the idea of having two stroke players open the batting um, can sort of put you in tough pit positions in in other countries and i think really at this point it's specifically you know australian pitches seem just pretty flat um and easier for indian batsmen to play on but i think some of these more seamy wickets in south africa england and new zealand um i don't think you can have both sharma and shubman gill opening um, yeah i, I, I don't think i don't think it'll work I agree. I actually just I just couldn't understand how Shubman Gill was scoring runs against against Pat Cummins at times because the way his technique is, he because he played leg side of the ball. I don't see that working in the long run. But obviously he's a natural talent, and 
at the moment he's proving me wrong. So obviously India will persist with him. But I think my uncle will obviously still be in the reckoning. He'll always be in the squad, I think, at the moment as a third opener. Even though he had a fair, he didn't have a great series by his standards, especially after a good first series in Australia a couple years ago. But I think he has a he has a more suited game to, to opening at the test level. I feel like Gil might go down to five, like in the coming years. Um, I think he's suited for the middle order. Do you guys still think Rahane is good enough? I, I, obviously, everyone's talking about Rahane and how amazing his captaincy was and how he led the team. Obviously, he had a great knock in Melbourne, but outside of that, he didn't really do much. He, looked, he, had he was a dropped a couple times in Melbourne, too. So, like, yeah. he would have been out for 70. Um, 30 I don't know. He averages, like, 40. Yeah. Okay, the thing with Rahane is he's the overseas specialist. Like, he doesn't score that many runs at home, right? He's unlike the Coley's, the Pujaras, and the rest of the team. But he... He's expected to do well at least on these tours, and averaging thirty-seven, I guess it's like a little underwhelming. I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think I think his average is definitely um, subpar for someone of his talent. But I think I think he's very effective when he is batting. Like he scores runs at a at a decent rate. Um, he kind of glues together the middle order, especially when Kohli was gone, and that. You know, Pujaro did a good job of staying there, but at times when India were in good positions and could have capitalized, they could have continued to score more runs. Kind of stalled the innings, whereas Rahane would keep the innings moving forward. And so, you know, maybe his average isn't so great, but I think he does score a lot of effective runs. Does that make sense? That's true. What do you guys think about his captaincy versus Kohli? Because I feel like, Rahane, you don't see him as an aggressive captain, but he was pretty aggressive throughout all this. And I feel like he gives each of the players their free reign to sort of do what they um, making them more effective in a sense. But he, he was able to take a, a lackluster team and win, um, like, a draw and uh, get a win and a draw out of um, the Australian really, team. Do you think he is more effective than Kohli? I didn't see or? a big difference between Rahane and Kohli's captaincy, to be honest. I think, I think, I feel like if Kohli was there, it would not. The result would not have been too different. I mean, Ronnie obviously he played he captain brilliantly. He set good fields, but it was it's Coley did the same thing in the first test. The the reason we lost the first test is purely because of our batting. And he, Coley's captaincy, while it's criticized, captaincy can only control one thing. If India's bowling has not been has been pretty good in the last three four years under Coley's captaincy, it's usually when we lose these overseas test series, it's usually been the batting, and that you can't blame the captain on. I have no issues with Coley's captaincy. I think his selection is a di- his selection is definitely something that could be called into question. I think some of the selections they have made in the last few years have always been been pretty whack at times. But on field captaincy, I Coley Rahane, they're both brilliant, but not even going to think about Rahane replacing Coley. But I do think that under Rahane's yeah. captaincy, like Ashwin became a lot more vocal, and I think he bowled and like became you know really took his place as like a senior member of the team. Um, I think a lot of players got caught up in Kohli's shadow, but with Rahane, like you saw Pujara, uh, Ashwin really coming to the fore. And I think, you know, if they can maintain that presence, even with Kohli as captain, that's only going to be better for the side. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that was the whole thing that in Melbourne was we just lost our captain, our best player. Uh, we're 36 all out. We need to step up together. And the senior players like, right, Rahane, you're new, so we're going to support you here. While Kohli probably doesn't require that support because he's like the superstar. But yeah, obviously that was great. Ash- Ashwin is obviously someone who I think should be the vice captain of this year, the Indian team, in my opinion. So his step up as a leader was really, really good in that test match. Yeah, yeah, Ashwin is just so good. Like 
he's crazy. Yeah, he outboiled Lyon by miles this series as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And his batting too. Like maybe in this tour against uh when England come to tour India, he might like start stepping up his batting too. I think uh, the Sydney knock was a sign of his like he actually applied himself. Like usually he gets like hits one nice four down the ground and there's like a lazy waft to slip. But um Yeah. Yeah. And that, that one run out was very, very shocking. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, apart from that, just great batting from Ashwin. Yeah, I'm thinking he might have been injured then too, right? Like he had that back thing that his wife was tweeting about for some reason. Yeah, um, like yeah. I like, mean, I think I think I don't think any of the fitness tests and all those protocols really apply to him. Um, <laughs> like he's passing any of the yo-yo tests. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. You know, whatever it is, it's working. It's working. Yeah, I think I I read somewhere. I think Ashwin Jadeja this series had the greatest um, overseas average for spinners ever in Australia. I think they average like 24 together. So that's another yeah. big wow. thing. You can't, you can't really be calling these two home bullies anymore when they're dominating Australia and Australia. Do you, do you think this matchup of just India and Australia is just more favorable to India? And that's like, that's what it is. Um, because, you know, the same team at full strength uh, toured New Zealand earlier. And we got, I mean, India got rolled over, right? Um, and so it, it's crazy how, you know, Australia is definitely seems like a more superior team, but you know they couldn't they couldn't even play an India C team. Yeah, I, you know, on paper Australia is one of the strongest think, teams in the world, right? So it's it was surprising to see their results. I mean, cricket is just a weird sport. Like, yeah. yeah, New Zealand decimated India with against our full team, but then Australia decimated New Zealand mm-hmm. at at their home three yeah. zero. I think the matchups are super important. I think we match up well. I think our batsmen are very used to come in stark. Um, and Hazelwood to an extent, yeah. you know, through yeah. IPL and various means. But a lot of these New Zealand bowlers don't really get seen much. Like J- Jameson wasn't part of the IPL or anything like that. And so, it's, also, it's also interesting because Australia play a lot better in England than India play in England. Like Australia nearly won the series in, in England while we were decimated 4-1 there. Yeah. Um, so it's, a, it's interesting. But I think, I think it's fair to say New Zealand, Australia, India are probably the top three teams in Test Cricket right now, and then England at fourth. Yeah. Where, how do you think Australia would fare in New Zealand if that's happening in any time in the future? I don't know, I think similar, like similar conditions to Australia. I think Australia always backs themselves to beat New Zealand. In- Australia have like a mental advantage over New Zealand. Even though I would count, I would put paper on New Zealand winning in New Zealand against Australia because their team right now is all in form. It just seems to be like a mental advantage they have. They just never seem to lose New Zealand. Yeah, it's definitely. I agree. There's something about like these matchups. Like I think India definitely has the wood over Australia in the matchups more more recently with the set of players that they have. And I think and I think Steve Smith has the wood over all of England's bowling lineup in terms of batting. Like, yeah. kind of like all of these like mini matches within the, within the game. And then I think like Australia definitely has the wood over New Zealand in terms of like overall cricket. Yeah, but it's very interesting. Like it's not statistics based. It's not really quantitative in any way. But yeah, you can't. What's that feel that some some matchups favor some people more than others? Yeah, yeah. Because India have now toured like in the last three years, they've toured all five, four. They've toured all five um, or four countries: South Africa, England, New Zealand, Australia. Toured Australia twice. Seems like the biggest struggle they had was in New Zealand. New Zealand seemed to be. The, it wasn't even close. That's the two zero series earlier this. In 2020, yeah. 
yeah, but in England, over. they got rolled pretty good. Batting, no, none of the Batsmen, no Batsmen hit form for India that series. But in England, in South Africa, there were chances to win the test matches that India let go. So it's pretty interesting to see. Obviously, New Zealand have a New Zealand seems to have the best home record after India in the last four or five years. They've been unbeaten for, yeah. for a long time. And they've been incredible. Yeah. I, I I think yeah, I think it's fair to say now, unless Australia unless, unless there's some shock in this India England series, the World Chess Championship probably gonna be New Zealand versus India, most likely. Yeah. Wait, um, so I mean, Australia may beat South Africa though. What's the scenarios? Because I think if Australia beats South Africa like two 0 um and then they automatically qualify, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think there there was an article saying if they won against India, it was like a win and a draw, but now they need two wins. But is that regardless of the result between in, England and India, or is that like... It's regardless. Because England yeah, is, regardless. India is like pretty much in, and then England's like a non-factor, I think. So it's, it's become New Zealand versus Australia now then. Yeah. For the sake yeah. of... So I, I, yeah. How is that test championship going to work? Where is that going to be played? Uh, any of those details available? Lord. Lord, Lords, Lords, right? Just Lords one. Is the final. Yeah, but um, I, think- I know I know we have to wrap up quite soon. But I think I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on like the state of Test cricket after this. I think <laughs> a lot of people I've been hearing have just you know really um, talked about how this is just great for Test cricket, but also you know Test cricket is kind of gaining like a cult following, and it's it's usually it usually grows big in these big series. Obviously. There's another test series across the pond, and that one's like dog cricket and very difficult to watch. Um, and so, yeah, what do you guys think? So the thing is, test cricket is only – the only time test cricket's really looked at positively and it seems to be entertaining is when it's just played amongst like four nations usually. Usually England, South Africa – no, England, Australia, New Zealand, and India usually these days. But, yeah, when you involve other nations like South Africa, Sri Lanka, they've digressed so badly in the last four or five years. West Indies, while they have their moments, they're still not a top five nation. Pakistan is seems to be digressing all the time. So it definitely you can't. I don't think you can look at these blockbuster series like Ashes, India, Australia, um, and say, oh, Test cricket is still thriving because when other nations play, uh, it doesn't seem to be at the same quality. And four and five nations playing doesn't make it a good format. I mean, yeah, you're saying that, but I was I'm in like a, a history class for a breath course. And uh, there was the professor was talking about the India Australia series, which was crazy. And then a couple of my friends mentioned that they're Americans; they don't watch Test cricket at all. But it's definitely showing up more, especially after the series and the win that India had. Yeah, um, got in the New York Times actually. I'm pretty sure I saw an article. Yeah, yeah I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. So it's but, it's it's definitely making improvements. It's good to see that. Personally, I like Test cricket more than watching T20s and ODIs. But T20s has been a lot more popular with the IPL and things like that. So. I think it's good I think, to see that Test is getting some publicity. I agree. I think Test cricket will continue as like a niche um, with like a, you know, sort of a cult following. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that I'm fine with that, you know. And I think I think what, what, you, what we've also realized is it's only fun to watch in certain parts of the world. Um, it's, it's only fun to watch in like England, New Zealand, Australia. I'd put South Africa in there as well. Those matches are fun to watch. Um, yeah. And you know, just when whenever you go to the subcontinent, it just it becomes so boring. Um, yeah, you need to have the bowlers. Huh? The bowlers have to have an advantage when you play test match cricket. Like the first two, yeah. like all these games, it was so much better because batsmen weren't just piling on the tons. Like 
every time like what made the series good was that every time one team was like they got, got the advantage so you either have like a really good counter-attacking knock or a couple of wickets would fall really quickly and you need to have to that style of play um yeah and that only happens like you said in like australia and england yeah i think i think to really appreciate test cricket, you have to play cricket yourself i i don't see people who just watch cricket only liking test cricket that much like They'll always follow T Twenty ODIs, but usually when you play, if you play cricket yourself, you'd understand how much more enjoyable Test cricket can be. I think you'll have to I mean, follow it for a while, to be honest. Like, true. like there's there's some sort of element of like the history and the tradition of the game, and like just watching it as you grow up and seeing how the game evolves. And I think like if you if you're new to cricket, um, like watching Test cricket is not an easy way of getting into it. Whereas if you've been like indoctrinated, like growing up watching Test cricket, then I think you have that like appreciation that's what i found anyway with like uh my friends but i I have to disagree in saying that like test cricket isn't like i think the i think test cricket is definitely thriving like i think it's it's hard to like say test cricket isn't thriving given there's like so many other like so much other cricket happening but i think like the test cricket that does happen i would argue that like Yes, at times it's not close, but that's always been the case. And I think like it just takes one match in a series where like the underdog team suddenly like has this amazing session or like suddenly looks like they can win the game where like test, test cricket is gripping again. And I think the fact that it goes over five days and it twists and turns and that it, like, like it can change really quickly or like be really slow. I think like just the amount like the amount of possibilities associated with test cricket is why it's so interesting to watch. Yeah, um, just the nuances, like the shifting in power, especially in this yeah. test, every session. Yeah. Incredible. It's, it's, a, it's a context. Like you watch a T20 and you see someone like smash six sixes in and over, and that's cool. But like in the grand scheme of things, they got like two points in an IPL table that no one's going to remember. Like I, def- I definitely think domestic – Domestic leagues are not as popular as they were five, six years ago. Like we look at IPL now, it's just it comes and goes, and we don't even remember the winners anymore. All the and like half the leagues nobody really follows anymore. I know, like I used to follow Big Bash a lot, like four or five years ago, but now I can't even recall who has won the last three Big Bashes off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And most of the leagues, like because they're basically there's a league now every every month now. People just don't have the time to follow it. So T20 cricket popularity, it just. Could be not as popular as it used to be five, six years ago. I think we need to have more competent test playing nations. Like, there's like a Bangladesh West Indies series, right? No one's going to watch it. Like, yeah. you need to have the top. There's only like maybe 10 nations that play top flight cricket compared to like hundreds that play soccer. Um, so, you need those 10 nations to be super good. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I agree, but at the same point, I don't see, I don't see the format gaining widespread popularity from, as Mayank said, people who aren't, you know, cricket fans or who haven't watched cricket their entire lives, you know? Yeah, because not it's, it's just is a fight to stay relevant within the exactly. current cricketing community yeah. for the most part. And then, you know, we'll get matches like this, which will bring in the, the more casual fan, hopefully. Um, yeah, like, a lot of my friends were, like, giving me shit for, they're like, oh, you watched the whole Pujara-Rahane partnership on, like, the third day of... Uh, Brisbane, where they scored like no runs in 40 overs or 20 overs. Yeah. And they're all following, yeah, and they were following the end of the game, right? They're like, oh, wow, this is super cool. So yeah. I think people get converted. Like, they're probably not going to watch the next series, but it gets like, I don't know. Yeah, I think not, T20 not definitely grows the game. 
not every match is going to go to day five in the last hour where you you try and pull out a win where it's like on the last four wickets so it's it's definitely like matches like this like agar said people are going to watch but yeah that that partnership it's yeah different the thing is test series defined tours when we look at this series a year later we're not going to talk about india getting destroyed in the first two odis right if y'all remember the start of the tour india looked miserable Dropping yeah. catches and the bowling, yeah. but now nobody's gonna remember that. We're going to remember. No, this I'm, I'm definitely remembering the other guys. But they just bowled daddy We're 160 not... bowls. Oh, it was clear <laughs> that, in my mind. That feels like forever ago. I'm not that's even... where we fell. That's where Australia peaked in this tour, unfortunately. <laughs> anyway. That's true. But like, I don't, I barely remember the Hardik Pandya's form in the ODI T20 series. I forgot he even hit two sixes in the final over. That just feels like forever ago now, right? Yeah. It's like that. Nobody's gonna. But no, nobody's gonna forget Rahani's hundred MCG, the thirty-six all-out, Bahari and Ashwin's partnership. That's gonna remember linger in memories of fans. Yeah, I think I think respect in the sport of cricket will always be surrounded around a player's or team's test performances. However, you know, just for the pure entertainment value for the common fan, I think you know that's that's where the other T20. the other formats, especially T Twenty cricket, will thrive. Um, but yeah, I think I think. I think the big thing was the pitches as well, as we discussed earlier. Just too often we've seen games where you sort of watch the first ball and you're like, this is going to be a long day. No <laughs> movement yeah. straight into war- the middle of Warner's bat. And it's just, yeah. I think that's, yeah. Cool. To- the 2014 series between India and Australia was honestly miserable. It was like 600, 500, 300 declared. Yeah. And then, when Booty like, bowls the first ball and it doesn't even swing, you yeah. basically have one less bowler, you know? Yeah, yeah. Credit is due. I think the bowling quality in both teams has like enabled them to extract from like life, not lifeless decks, but decks that maybe didn't do as much. Like the bowling plans from India were like extremely spot on. Like those bowling plans, like attack the pads, restrict the run. It was it was very smart bowling, very smart planning, um, and I think it would have done well regardless of the pitches. So maybe it, like just thinking about this off the top of my head, maybe it is like. A little bit more like we need more innovative strategies and i think maybe there's going to be a bit of a rethink based on like how india played because i thought there were clear plans to all of the australian batsmen smith i think that was the most convincing plan i've seen to smith um this series by the indian bowlers so maybe maybe it's like not all pitches but also like just the bowling quality as well that like maybe will like lead test cricket into like this more gripping format yeah, because the pitches here worked unbelievable. It wasn't like an England or South Africa seeming deck. I was saying, like, if these two nations played on England, England or South Africa on those seeming pitches, 100, 150 all out every game innings. I couldn't see either batting side, honestly, surviving. Yeah. The bowling yeah, quality is definitely really high. Yeah, like, I think the ideal test innings, at least for me, is, like, one batsman scores 100, one scores, like, a 50, and then the team is all out for, like, 280 in, like, the first 10 overs of day two. And, like, that's when you get close games. If you have teams racking up, like, 400-plus, then it's, like, it's kind of boring to watch people bat. Like, even if it's your own team, it gets kind of, like, I don't think I could watch Pujara bat a whole day if he wasn't. Maybe I could, but, like, after a while, it would get kind of boring. Hey, yeah, the last three, four years, honestly, Pacers have dominated uh, World yeah. Cricket. Like, there's, like, four, five, six teams that can claim to have world-class bowling attacks, and, it, the batsman stats show it. You can't even pick a solid opening pair anymore in, in in the in any country right now. There's no team that honestly has a stable opening pair. Maybe just like New Zealand only, but 
so that definitely says a lot. Like when we when we made our World Elevens, right? We we couldn't even pick two openers properly, but we had like seven, eight fast bowlers to choose from. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining me and uh, joining the podcast. But it was nice having you, Mohawk. Cheers, um, guys. First time. So, yeah. But um, thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed. And um, see you guys on the next one. Yeah. See you, boys. See you guys. Cheers. Bye.